Hey, y'all, and welcome back to another companion podcast for staycalmcomic.com. I'm very excited for our second episode. We're going to look at another four millennial managers comic strip, First Step, which focuses on team collaboration. You can think of this in terms of process with a big P, but the way I really want to frame this and talk about this is as a people-oriented situation. What does it mean for people to come together and compromise and negotiate and figure out how they're going to work together, how they're going to be effective as individuals and also as a team? And what role do you have as a manager in facilitating that? Now, before we get into the specific situation talked about in the comic strip, someone coming late to a daily meeting, wanting to move the meeting time, first I'd like to give some context and build a framework for how we're going to think about this and how we're going to react to this as a manager. Maybe react is the wrong word, respond. So first, how do people get work done as individuals? One thing that's obvious and probably goes without saying, but I'm going to say it anyway, is that different people work in different ways. When I say different ways, one of the main things I'm thinking of is when people like to get work done. Early in the morning, late at night. Some of this is preference and how people like to operate. Some of this comes from different constraints that people have in their lives, whether that's from commuting and traffic or the schedules imposed on them by their kids or their pets or different hobbies. People are in different situations and have different preferences and they work in different ways. That's, like I said, probably pretty obvious. One thing I want to point out that isn't always talked about explicitly is that even a single person can work in different ways, right? I mean, the way we get work done can change based on the phase that a project is in and what it requires or what it requires from us. So for example, sometimes we're working on a project and we're in the design phase and we're trying to brainstorm ways to solve certain problems. We're trying to answer questions. We're trying to figure out what questions should we even be asking? What's the solution going to look like? How is this going to work? You know, we're doing these divergent and convergent processes to figure out what the design is. On the other end of this extreme, we have implementation. We know exactly what we need to get done or build, and we just need to sit down and do it. Okay, so we have different phases of work, the design phase, the execution phase. We also have different types of work. Work can be collaborative in nature or it can be independent. For example, in the design phase, maybe we want to grapple with the problem alone and consider different solutions and figure out what we really want to propose moving forward. On the other hand, maybe it's a team project. You and someone else are assigned this project together and you want to both be on the same page. And so you might want to come together and have a design process that includes both of you because you're both equal stakeholders in, in what's going to happen. And you're both maybe intentionally bringing together different perspectives. Similarly for execution, you can have solo execution. Maybe you've done this design together with your partner. You know, you figured out, okay, this is how it worked for this one feature. That looks good. Okay, we have six more features to go. You take three, I'll take three. We'll just knock these out independently and, you know, of course, touch base if anything unexpected comes up or any problems arise. On the other hand, maybe the implementation needs to be a little more collaborative. Maybe someone new has joined the team and you want to pair with them to really help them get up to speed quickly on how things operate, where things are in the code, what process to use, that kind of thing. So maybe there's a mentoring opportunity that you want to take advantage of. 
The point is that there's these two different axes and that makes these four quadrants of work that we move between. These four quadrants, they're all useful. Every engineer needs to be able to move between these quadrants. Sometimes you need to get things done and be self-motivated. And sometimes you're in a very collaborative situation. Most industry work involves some form of collaboration. We're often building things bigger than ourselves. So there's often a point where we do need to collaborate. And many times projects or features move in different with different frequencies between design and implementation. You can have the big architecture of the overall project moving between those phases, just as you can have a particular feature moving between design or refactor work and execution. Anyway, the point is we need to be flexible in moving between all these different quadrants. And I think that bears calling out because sometimes in tech, we brand this work as requiring a very specific quadrant of work. At least historically, we as an industry have worshipped the single implementer who can get things done alone, who can execute really quickly by themselves. Maybe what I'm talking about isn't even just historically. There certainly can be pressure from above as a manager that we'll feel for our teams to perform a certain way and for individuals to perform a certain way. But the truth is that we need everyone within a team to be moving between all of these quadrants appropriately and reasonably in a good way, right? These are all important skills to have. And what teamwork is, I think, is getting everyone to move in sync, to recognize when to be collaborative about something and when to get it done as an individual. Not that everyone needs to operate in the same way, but there does need to be some sense of expectations around when and how to move between these quadrants, how to be successful with getting work done and with collaborating. And that's all that process is. It's really just providing that sense of expectation of what is the constructive way to be effective here. Okay, so that's for individuals. And we've sort of touched on, okay, now when you have a team, well, how do you synchronize everyone? There's a particular framework that I use when thinking about process questions. And that's what I've talked about in the second comic. I don't actually know what the name is. I just call it forming, storming, norming, performing. It's very well known. You can Wikipedia it. There's different buckets and categories, but this is the basic one. And the concept is that teams come together. First, they're forming. They don't have any process rules. Every individual is operating in the way that they want to operate, that they're used to operating under. Now, as people start working together and seeing how things work, they enter the storming phase. This is where the team is really trying to figure out what do we do? How do we work together? How do we actually collaborate? It's called storming because it can be chaotic. Storming can make some people very uncomfortable, especially folks who are used to executing. The storming phase can include a lot more sort of design processes or meta processes. They can feel like churn. It can feel like there's uncertainty. There is uncertainty. People can also be uncomfortable if they work outside of what they perceive the norm to be. And maybe they're afraid that their working style is going to be limited or unheard or unvalid invalid in some way. So this can be a very uncomfortable time for some people. For other folks, this is very exciting. It can be an engaging time, a a time to really be part of creating new team processes. So as managers, this is a very interesting time that we definitely will talk about. But just to continue with this framework, the next phase is norming. That's where some decisions and expectations have been made. People have committed to operating in some fashion, and now they just need to do that. This requires a lot of gentle 
oversight and feedback giving and different ways for the manager to be involved to really help a team get over that hump of storming and into norming and even better performing. Performing is where things are settled. The decisions that the team made about how they're going to operate, they're paying off. The team is agile or has a certain level of quality or speed that is based on this, this process. You know, these things are really helping. You can imagine it's like choosing a JavaScript framework and that can take an investment of learning and restructuring code and all those sorts of things, but eventually it's going to pay off in a really great user experience. Now, I use that metaphor intentionally because I think it holds for another point, and that's that you don't want to change your framework too frequently, right? It's an investment, and then you want it to pay off, and you want to reap those rewards for a little bit before you decide that there's a problem, another problem that you need to fix and adjust your framework on, right? That makes sense. Process is the same thing. I mean, it's just a framework for getting work done. If you've just invested in a new process, you want to reap those rewards before changing it a bunch. That's one of people's legitimate concerns about process is that it's needless churn. Okay, so that's one concern, but that doesn't mean it's not important. Where your team is at can really help you as a manager figure out how to respond to different concerns. Because essentially, when someone either actively or passively brings up a question or a problem with the process, what they're really asking is, can the team go through another storming, norming, performing cycle? Sometimes the cycle is going to be very small. And that's what you're looking at as a manager. You're trying to figure out, oh, is this a very small thing? Our team is performing really well. We've been doing this for a long time. We know the deal. This change has come up in someone's life. We can handle it in this way or we can you know, figure out how to handle it as a team, but we'll be almost without noticing back on track, you know, as if this were nothing. Or have we been changing a lot of things, you know, every week? Is this person asking, hey, this time doesn't work for me. Can we move this meeting back? But they were just asking that, you know, last month and you already moved the meeting back. And now this is becoming this pattern, this slippery slope, this churn. It's not really addressing the problem, which maybe is that this person needs to respect everyone else's time as well and you know figure out how to make this time work. So that's the context you're trying to understand. You know it could be that your team is performing well and maybe hey if it's not broke don't fix it. If your team is in a performing stage and is doing great, maybe you don't want to change too many of those variables or those process things. Maybe you've agreed very clearly to a set of commitments and expectations and when you meet with someone who's especially if they're passively not meeting those expectations, you can you know, definitely work with them one-on-one -on -one more so than make this a team situation. Now, of course, things do change. Things change in people's lives. Their schedules and personal commitments change. Organizations change. People will come and go from your team. All sorts of things are going to happen. And so you should be ready for change. I mean, just settling into the status quo is not a great end strategy. It's perfectly normal and natural for teams to move through these stages. And really, as a manager, what you're trying to do is identify what stage are we really in? Are we really moving back into a storming or norming phase? Or is this just an individual issue that I can work out with this individual? You're trying to facilitate and make sure that a team isn't locked into process, but also isn't changing their process too much. We're going to talk about that in a, in a different episode too. So I just wanted to lay down 
the main framework for how teams work together and what your role is as a manager. I'm really excited to actually dive into some of these details on a future podcast. Thanks for listening. This is the companion podcast to Stay Calm Comic. Check out the comics online for free at staycomcomic.com. Each comic comes with a free printable zine version. That's a one-page version that you fold up into this cute little booklet. Give it to your friends, your coworkers, your manager, stuff it on your technical bookshelf. So go check that out and subscribe to this podcast. Leave a review, five stores only, of course. But seriously, do let me know. What do you think about this comic? What do you think about the podcast? Do you have any work situations that you want me to talk about on the podcast or make into a comic? It could be something cool. It can be something frustrating. I would love to hear from y'all. Hit me up on social media at Stay Calm Comic. You can send me emails, loose at staycomcomic.com. That's loose, L-U-S. And you can also ask me questions anonymously through ask.fm slash staycomcomic. I feel like I've said Stay Calm Comic a dozen times now, so... Cool. That's a great name. This series right now is called Four Millennial Managers. I'm your host, Luce. Thanks for listening. Stay calm.